My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to hold space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. I'm super excited to learn more about your journey as a creative entrepreneur. Right. (laughs) How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm hanging in there, just chilling, taking everything in, but also taking the time to process it as well so I can stay in a healthy, safe place within myself. Yeah. This week has been nuts. A lot of, lots going on. And I really appreciate you for coming on. I know I was saying this a minute ago, but honestly, this, I, like, I feel it and it's in the air. So, you know, this, this helps talking to people and just like, venting but also sharing and also healing all of that helps so you know it's all part of it right right i agree i agree yeah yeah but let's talk more about monique monique larousse is that how you say your last name larousse larousse yeah no just larousse like room and then larousse LaRue. Ooh. Very fancy and sexy. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about let's talk about who Monique LaRue is. Um, let's go back to your beginnings. I know you kind of had a lot of different careers, you've had a lot of different paths. Yeah. Start from the beginning and whatever that means to you. Um, well, the forget the beginning of, I guess, the art career for me kind of began in 2016. But before the build up to that, I can go into like a few of the careers. Mm-hmm. So I expressed a heavy, heavy interest in art when I was young. I was really good at it. I was already winning awards by the time I was like eight and 10 years old. And my parents would love to praise and talk about it. Like, oh, I was just so good at art. And by the time like I became a teenager, um, that whole rhetoric changed <laughs> yeah it was like hey this is cute um you need to go do something for real and i'm, <laughs> and I'm like right this, this is what are you talking about crazy people and uh, my parents were like well hey you got like six options you can either go to college or army marines coast guard all the branches so they just threw it out there so i was like all right cool 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 um i went to college <laughs> for <laughs> i went to college for like two semesters i'm really bad in math um, I went to college in South Carolina, so I'll just say it, they're not, they don't have the best educational system, and they also 
don't always want to offer help to people who don't look like them. Mm, yes. So I would go take the time to go to the study or the tutoring halls, but still would leave just as confused as I went in, but now more frustrated because I'm hungry and I'm tired. Right, right. <laughs> so I ended up dropping out of college the first time after two semesters of not being able to get through, you know, algebra. I'm not ashamed to say that. Fractions suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was my worst subject, too. I was not about right. that. Right. I dropped out of college, ended up going into the military. I did that for a while. It was cool, but I ended up having to get out, you know, earlier than I wanted to due to some injuries. So that was like, yikes, what's left now? I guess yeah. I'll go back to college. And I did that and I finished my degree. It was in uh, business management. But during this time span, I also like worked as a police officer right out. I got, got out of the military because a friend of mine, he just finished his degree with political science. And he was like, well, maybe you should do this because like they're going to hire you because you're ex-military and you're a black female. And I was like, well, I, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he was 100% absolutely correct. Mm. I kind of just walked into that job with ease. I was surprised it was that yeah. easy to um, but that's that's what happened. I did it for one year. Absolutely did not like the job. Didn't agree with it. Didn't want to stick around for it. And I didn't feel like it was worth it. I still had the fountain of youth on my side. I was only 23 at the time. Oh. So I was like, I, yeah. I still got time to figure this out. You still got plenty right. of time. Yeah. <laughs> So I became a dental assistant, and that was cool for a while, but ethically, I saw things go wrong with how doctors would um, chart certain things to charge people's insurance or tell them they needed, you know, a procedure done that they really didn't need, and I'm like, yikes, and like, we, all my coworkers, we want to say something, we don't like it, but it's like, if the doctor goes down, then all six people who works for him goes down, so... Yeah. No one wants to say anything. Yeah. So I was like, well, this makes me feel weird. So I don't want to do this anymore. And I was a, a firefighter for about five years. Really loved that job. I, I, that's where I found like the most happiness. I started doing art again on the side because okay. my schedule was just so comfortable. 24 hours on, 48 hours off. That's literally 10 days a month. I had to go be somewhere else and oh, yeah. sleep somewhere else. Right. So I had all this free time, but you would be tired after being somewhere else. That's not your house for 24 hours, like every couple days. Yeah. And so, um, it's a rough but schedule. I still, it, yeah. Not really? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's a disruptive schedule okay. to your, like your internal sleep patterns, mm -hmm. because when you're working for that 24 hours, it's like, okay, from typically nine to five, you knock out like chores around the station or have to answer calls and stuff like that. But what really beats you up is the night shift. Cause you'll be sleeping at two o'clock and you get called it to go somewhere at three. You're out there for maybe 30 minutes. You're out there sometimes for four hours. It could be a fire, it could be a car accident, it could be a medical emergency, whatever. So you, mm. you sleep, but then you don't sleep. So, but I was lucky with my department. I worked at most nights that I went would work I kind of got to sleep through them because I lived in a very like country rural area mm -hmm. so I didn't see a whole lot of action as a firefighter so my job was actually really easy <laughs> that's good though it is good. safe it, it, for the most part but I realized after a few years I would start expressing interest in other things like being a fire marshal or an inspector something to still help my community and educate on fire self safety and at my time my department was like mm, yeah just be glad you're here <laughs> mm -hmm. And see, that's what I was really curious about, you being a Black woman, being in these fields that are usually masculine-dominated, being a police officer, being in the military, being a firefighter. How were you navigating in those spaces? Well, I really... I understand that men are very like macho from time to time, but like they're really not. The the, the societal pressures that are put on them to act like way mm -hmm. we like to call it toxic masculinity, but we don't really take responsibility for the fact that we created that environment for them mm. to feel like they needed to do that. 
Right. So as much as we complain about toxic masculinity, if a guy starts to show that he has emotion or he cares or he's sensitive, um, people start to look at him as weak. He's not really a right. man. And that causes all these issues. So like I was just able to always talk to them on a very relatable level from just mm. being around them in so many different careers. Like they hurt when they go through divorces. They hurt when they get right. cheated on. And like they talk about it amongst each other and they would be like, well, hey, what do you think, Monique? And I'd be like, well, you know, and it just it made me understand that they're really not that different other than gender. They still experience emotions too. So it was kind of easy sometimes to navigate through their ego, but equally I was a woman. So I was always able to bring that reasoning mm-hmm. or that, Hey, let's take a step back and calm down kind of approach to any situation. Even when I would have conflict with, you know, somebody that was just the same as me, right. you know, I would just try to correct the behavior. So it was, it wasn't that hard for me to navigate, but it got, it got frustrating to navigate because sometimes they would, some of them would care about me and was like, Oh, I don't want her to get hurt. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't really let me do a lot of stuff all the time, even oh, though I, I trained and I could do it and they would have to sign it off and say, okay, you know how to use this tool. And I go pick up the tool when we're out on the scene. No, 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 I got it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Being and protective. Be like, yeah. Right. And so I'd be like, all right, cool. And then like some of them were like, well, you shouldn't even be here because you're not one of us, i.e. To- mm. toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where I would get frustrated because it's like, okay, I'm just here to be a face at this point. I'm just here to show the public that, you know, hey, we, we are inclusive, we are diverse, but I don't really get to do anything while I'm here. And that's not why I got that career. I always wanted a career because like, I would get bored doing the same thing every day. And like within these paramilitary organizations, I could always kind of pick and choose, you know, what direction I wanted to go, get rank, move up, go to this department. I could kind of customize my career, but if you need someone's permission to do that, you're right. not gonna do, you're not, you're not gonna do you anything can't get very unless- far. Right. And so I just kind of just sat on the back of the truck for like four or five years and got frustrated with it. And it was like, you know what? I am done. I'm just going to move to Texas and I'm going to start doing art and I'm going to work out there and just try to figure this out. But I'm tired of always trying to give my service to my community and the people that I'm supposed to do this uh, beautiful, amazing, upstanding citizen job with won't even really let me fully participate. Mm. And this is pointless if I'm always going to need someone else's permission to be great in a sense. Right, right. And I think that's like, that turning point for you was just like, okay, my skills are not being utilized. Let me go back to what I love. That's what I'm hearing from you, that that was the turning point. And it sounds like you were always kind of doing art. But I'm curious to know, what was the point where you were like, all right, I'm just going to focus on my art. This is it. Okay, so this story gets a little sad, has a little dark turn, but it has a happy ending, obviously. Um, So in 2018, so about two years ago in July, I was having a really, really hard time internally trying to figure out what do I do? What do I do? Yeah, I'm in Texas. Yeah, I'm the first person to bought the house. Like I I killed it my first two years here. Mm -hmm. Like I achieved so much that I couldn't even fathom getting done when I lived in South Carolina. I tried buying a house out there five times. Girl, I got redlined left and right. Houses I didn't want to live in. (laughs) Neighborhoods I didn't want to live in. And I came to Houston and, you know, had a real estate agent that didn't look like me. was kind of like, oh, this is going to suck too. But let me give everybody a chance. Put me in a comfortable house in a comfortable neighborhood and it kind of worked out. Um, But I'm not saying that, like, discrimination still doesn't happen here. It does. I think I just got lucky. Mm -hmm. Or I just had a guy who just had empathy and compassion and just wanted to do the right thing, 
which I appreciate from my real estate agent. And so, but that wasn't enough for me. Internally, I didn't feel like I had a purpose. I didn't feel fulfilled. Everything I had gone after kind of just kind of crumbled. And I kept getting all this praise from my family and peers. They're like, you've done so much with your life. And then also some negativity too. Like, you just don't know what you want to do. And I kind of look at it. Well, well, actually, I've done everything I wanted to do. Yeah, you did I, a I tried lot it. at a young I tried age. It. Right. I tried it and I was like young enough to realize I can't do this for 25 years. I can't keep doing this for another 20 years. You know, and I just, me, it was always about happiness and fulfillment. So I'm at this place where it's really, really dark. I'm depressed. I'm gaining weight. I don't know why my blood pressure is high Mm -hmm. and I just start to just get morbidly depressed. It gets to a point where I want to commit suicide because I just feel so lost. I feel so mm-hmm. broken. And then to make it even worse, I got fired from my dental assisting job for standing oh, up for no. myself. <laughs> right. Because when I came back here, I started working as a dental assistant because it makes more money in Texas than it does in South Carolina. Like South Carolina is like $10 an hour and Texas is like eighteen twenty, depending on experience. Oh, okay. um, so big difference there. Yeah. And so I ended up getting fired because they wanted to promote me at my job because I just simply did what they asked me to do. I didn't do anything extra. I just came in and they were like, hey, clean this up. And I was like, all right. Other people, <laughs> yeah, other people would just back talk and complain and groan. And mm-hmm. so I'm getting rewarded for just doing my regular job. Mm-hmm. And at first I told them I wasn't interested in moving up because even I knew that this was going to be temporary for me. And I didn't want them to waste their time with me either. But then they kind of almost pressured me into it so like I took it and then I noticed two weeks go by after they said that they're going to give me a raise they don't (laughs) so I tried to address it to the doctor I tried to address it to the manager of the office no one wants to have a conversation with me and when Mm. they do we really don't ever come to agreeing on a number so I go back to doing my basic duties before they promoted me and that got their attention they were like oh you're not you're not doing your job anymore I was like I don't get paid to do anything extra right how about Um, that Right. I uh, had the next day off when we had that conversation and girl, I got fired. <laughs> See, that is some mess. They want to promote you. They don't give you a raise and then they fire you because they're not giving you, they're not paying you what you're worth. Right. They're not paying me what I'm, they weren't paying me what I was worth when I was hired. And I, I, I was like, okay, well maybe after 90 days we'll talk about it. And they were like, yeah, we'll talk about it. But 90 days came and they were ready to promote. So I'm thinking I'm going to at least get a couple dollars raised, a couple, just right. $2. And I even asked for just $2 and that they didn't want to give me that. So I'm glad that they found someone willing to do more for less, but it wasn't going to be me. But it I ended up becoming, be. right. I ended up becoming suicidal because of it. Cause I'm like, Oh mm-hmm. my God, I've never had a job. I have a house now with a mortgage. Um, I have an adult bills and I'm like an adult now. And I just kind of came to this point where after I sought therapy, after I kind of got over it, I I decided to suck it up and just go to therapy for the first time in my life and get serious about myself and take care of my, my own emotions and how I've perceived life and the traumas and the things I've been through. And I just said, you know what, this is, if I don't do this for me now, if not when I didn't do it 15 years ago when I was 18, when I had a choice, I could have chosen not to listen to my parents and follow their template for my life. I could have just created my own template for my own life. And so I just, in 2018 of July, I just said, I'm done. I, <laughs> I don't know how I managed to still pay my bills. I don't know, but I would just talk to people, sell my art, do shows and mm-hmm. got into my mentorship program that really opened so many doors for me. It ex- exploded. I made so much money. I had my first solo show where I made over $11,000 and that's unheard of for an artist's first yeah, solo that's show. that's amazing. Thank Congrats. You. 
Thank you. So that, that was like the t- turning point for me. I just got to the point where I think internally I could not fight my own heart anymore. The universe, God, whatever you believe in, was really trying to pound into me. You need to do what you know you want to do and stop listening to everyone else and stop listening to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. just do just do it. Just go do it. Yes, yes. I'm sorry you went through that. It sounds like a hard time, but you got through it and you know, you ended up doing what you love to do. So it it did end up good, which I'm happy for. And your work is amazing. So I'm so happy that you took that leap of faith and went for it. And you mentioned... Girl, it was more than a leap. It was, it was a <laughs> dive. Just I know. It's so scary, right? right? It really was. You don't know, like, what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to make it. It's I am in that same space now where I'm not a full-time entrepreneur, but I'm interested in heading in that direction. And it scares me because I'm so used to having a salaried position where I get paid every two weeks. And to know Mm -hmm. that as an entrepreneur, what you get, the money you make is all on you. And, Uh you know, you have to work, you know, hard to do that. And you have to really love what you're doing, but it scares me. So I get it. I get it. But I do think it's important to take control over your life and what your happiness and your happiness and what you want to do. So, That's one of the reasons why I'm really like, I want to show that it's possible for artists, creatives to become entrepreneurs and to have a sustainable artist practice because it is possible. There's a lot of people doing it. It's hard, but it's possible. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You mentioned your mentorship program, the Escapist Mentorship Program, right? uh, Yes. It's out here in Houston uh, under an artist called John Ross Palmer. He's he's local and international. He just kind of does his own thing, really. Um, he's not really represented by like any museums or galleries or anything like that because he's just built his own empire just on his own by himself. Mm, he's gotten himself so comfortable here in the area of the city that people just flock to his establishment to support him and his art and his mentees. And he'll select four every year. You put an application in and if they like your art and the people on the board, you know, he has a nonprofit where they on that board pick, you know, and they grade you on your essay and your art and I got in on the first try, didn't, didn't, and, and the crazy thing about applying to this mentorship program is that it really was literally six months right after I had my mental breakdown. Oh, okay. So no, that was it that, was mm-hmm, that time. It was it was absolutely terrifying because, like, when you do go through an emotional thing like that, uh, you know, you're afraid for a long time. Everything has been broken down within you. You got to try to rebuild your confidence, how you talk to people. You're trying to figure out who you are. Because for 15 years, I had everyone tell me I was the cop. I was the firefighter. I was this, you know, my Mm -hmm. family, friends, they looked up. Now I got to figure out who I am. And you're so afraid of rejection at that point. You're so Mm -hmm. vulnerable at that point. I had never even applied to anything um, other than like little group shows, but something serious like a residency or a mentorship. And I got in. And that's why I was like, that leap of faith is just so important because if I did not do that and all these chains of events didn't happen and I didn't just trust the universe and God in the process, then I wouldn't be here today to tell you that, oh, well, this is possible. I've only been doing it for two years. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And it's so interesting to me, like those little moments really do 
add up and lead into these bigger like breaking points. It sounds like that mentorship was a catalyst for you to, you know, make bigger moves in your career. So talking about your career, your, your art practice, let's talk about your art practice more specifically, because I know that, I mean, I know there's fire involved. There's like all kinds of chemicals, like it's super (laughs) cool. Your your resin paintings, but you also do a lot of other things. You're a graphic designer and, you know, talk more about your art practice and how you kind of weave everything together or do you see them as just separate things that you do depending on like your spirit? At first I realized that I couldn't just group it all together. I realized that just like any other business, you know, you have this department, you have this department, and you have this department for for certain things because you have different types of people who Mm -hmm. like your art. Some people like canvas art, some people like sculpture, some people like graphic design art, some people don't really like art, but they just want a t-shirt or a hoodie or they want a sticker or design on it or something. And that took me a long time to kind of, well, not really a long time, but it took me a while to kind of pick up on those, oh, I can't drive everything to one spot. I got to start branching it off. So what I really, really love and that what I want to know be known for in my art career is my fire and resin abstract work the cool thing with the fire and resin like you said there's fire involved and there's chemicals involved and I actually learned all of that by being a firefighter oh I see the connection right remember I was saying how like hey I was starting to get interest in the fire department like being a fire marshal or an arson investigator so I had to take all these classes on chemistry Mm. fire fire patterns smoke patterns all this stuff that kind of helps you pick apart a crime scene after it's been burned it kind of help you figure out like what direction the fire was going and how it happened and all of that. Yeah. So I liked the resin work, but I really, really hated that the everybody who was playing with it now, because it's popular, they just leave it flat or like they throw rocks and glass in it to make it look like crystals and geos. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's cute, but that's not really, that's not really cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not really cool to me. So one day, you know, it was kind of by accident. I had like a mixture of like something on the table it fell over into the resin piece that I was working on and I looked at it and I was like well I can't wipe it up because it's resin it's gonna stick and I can't drain it off so I was like what if I just kind of make it evaporate off of the torch so I go get my torch and I light it on fire but it's a flammable liquid and it catches the thing on fire so I panic for a second and the fire calms down and I notice how it's making the resin change different patterns it starts Mm -hmm. becoming 3d so then I just start dumping all types of like chemicals that I had in the garage <laughs> on it just to see what would happen. And when I got done, it was like this beautiful 3D, almost like it, it was like touching the surface of a moon on all these paintings that I thought was yeah. cool. I had craters, I had waves, I had dips, I had all these cool things. So I just kind of kept experimenting with my own chemical mixtures, using the chemistry that I learned from the fire department, lighting stuff on fire over and over again. And I finally fine-tuned like my fire and resin technique. And John saw that when I applied. Those were the pieces I put in for his mentorship program. I hadn't touched graphic design or anything else at this point. It was just straight up fire and resin art. He saw it. He was like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. He was like, matter of fact, he's like, I don't think this this exists anywhere else. I don't think so. Yeah. So far, it doesn't. Every now and then, I actually do go looking for it to see Mm -hmm. if someone threw up a YouTube or something about it. No, not yet. But a lot of people who know me, who ask me how I do it, they're afraid to do it. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. You keep that. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, good. Good. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll do it all. 
Yeah, it really I'll, is I'll beautiful. I love Thank the effects. Because so for me, the abstract artwork started out when I had the mental breakdown. It's just like me, it was a safe place for me to feel like I finally had control. If I picked up a color and I put it there, it was that color. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like with the rest of my jobs, if I say that I want something, I got a request for it, wait on someone's permission and still be told no and be disappointed or be told yes and it not really be what I want it to be. Here mm -hmm. I felt like it was giving me my confidence back on a very personal, private level. And that's what I loved about the abstract art. So when I do the abstract art, it's really like I'm saying something. As I was working on that piece, I'm sorting stuff out in my head. Sometimes yeah. it's happy, sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's just personal reflection. Sometimes it really is just fun. So those are the pieces that mean the most to me that I want to be known for. Mm -hmm. The graphic design, it started because John would tell me, well, hey, your artwork is great, but what if you can't sell a $1,000 or a $200 painting every other day or every week? And I was like, true. He was like, so what about making smaller things like prints? And I was like, oh, I don't do prints. Because I was like, I only do canvas. <laughs> but, yeah, right. yeah. But he put, you know, some paper in my hand and it was part of my assignment. He was like, I want you to do six do whatever you want, put resin on it, put fire, put it. And I was like, you can't do that on paper. Girl, yes, you can. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I started selling paper pieces. And then I was like, well, when I was a kid, I used to draw cartoons. So then I started drawing cartoons or doing like little designs and people started buying the paper pieces. And then I was like, well, what if I started putting like my designs on t-shirts? So then it, I started branching over into drop shipping. And so now mm -hmm. I'm able to, you know, sell my collection on a call to stop doing things you don't like collection. It's available on my website at laruart.com slash shop, where it has my daily mantra of stop doing things you don't like and it has all the little designs and graphic designs that I do there and I also have my own podcast which I just started about six months ago because people would be like my god when you talk uh you just have this voice in the way that you say things like you really need to start sharing your thoughts with the world and for the longest I didn't think anyone cared what I thought because when you're in the military or these paramilitary organizations like the fire department or police department they don't really care about your feelings they might say they do but they don't and they don't really care about your opinions they just want you to follow orders mm -hmm. so it's kind of refreshing now for me to just be able to just talk and say something for 30 minutes just into a microphone and then people go to listen to it which is amazing to me and then they leave feedback like oh my god i love it i love this topic so that's cool too so all these things kind of ended up being came from me they were they're me you know, I'm not forcing myself to do YouTube when I know I don't want to do YouTube just because I know that I could do it and I have the equipment to do it. I don't really like getting in camera like that. I prefer talking to person, but who knows one day. But everything in my business I built around only the stuff that I like to do. Yes. And that is, that is why now I love it. No yes. one's telling me to do something that I don't want to do anymore. And if I get tired of doing it, I just simply stop. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't get in trouble for it. And I think that's the key that you do. Everything you do now is what you love to do. So that's why I think your mantra, stop doing things you don't like, is so powerful. And that's your brand, right? Yeah. That you should, you know, stop doing things you don't like because you're wasting your time. And also, like, you're not focusing on your genius, what you're innately good at and what you are innately good at would come easily. You know, it will be like, you're not even working because you love it so much. And so I think that's super powerful. And the fact that like your whole business is wrapped around that message. I think that's actually revolutionary for artists because we oh, are always hustling, right? To get the next gig, to make enough money, to mm -hmm. like get the next article written about us, to be in the next gallery, whatever. We're always like working so hard because it is hard, right? But it is. but <laughs> 
if you love it, it you know, it makes it a little easier. So just focus on what you love. I want to talk about your business because you have, you were able to really create this platform using a lot of different access points, different um, price points. You have Mm -hmm. a variety of, you know, merchandise people can buy. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about the business side of it, how you learn to grow your business doing the things you love? Um, well, I really, 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 really hate that no sleep, like, you know, quotes that people are like, no sleep, you got to work hard. First of all, you have to sleep because if you're not rested and you're not focused, you're just going to make mistakes through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So please sleep. But if you're still in your full time career, you just, you can't get off of your nine to five at five, sit at home and binge watch Netflix and spend just 30 minutes or an hour on your business expecting it to be something in six months or even two years. It takes a lot, a lot of physical time self-teaching yourself youtube is like my go-to for everything Mm -hmm. um i don't want to go back to school anymore because i never wanted to go i didn't even like school when i was a a kid so i get how some people are like i'll just go back to school and have someone else teach me what to do yeah you could do that but the internet is here now and people that are regular like me and you and they may not have a point you know, 2.0 million followers, they might just have 10,000. But if they can teach you something that you want to learn, you know, in a safety way and give you the shortcuts on how to do it, then why not learn it? So I've spent a great deal of my time on YouTube tutorials. I would actually go to the college websites and look up the books sometimes that they were using for like animation or baking or whatever, and just buy the book and read it myself instead Mm -hmm. of taking the course. And then because you can get books used, you don't have to get like the latest edition that they require for that semester. You can just go back and get the first edition because the real the core of that information is still there so a lot of I spent a lot of time just you know chunking it and like okay I want to learn how to do a podcast what do I need so I would like watch 10 or 15 videos on what type of microphone to get Mm -hmm. Um, I would watch 10 or 15 videos on like what software I want to use for my podcast I would watch another 10 or 15 videos on how to set it up and work the interfaces I would go to the websites tutorials these websites have tutorials like for dropshipping like you know watch those tutorials a lot of people don't like watching those tutorials but like that is free information to help you do what you need to do. So I spent a lot of time, you know, getting off of work at five in the evening before, you know, I got fired and I would stay up till about, you know, 11, 12 at night and I would just study for me. And I wouldn't even realize it would be 11 or 12 at night because it was for me and I was having fun. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to learn how to make the logo float on my videos now. (laughs) And like, you know, little, little things like that versus like, if I got off at five and I was, you know, still going to college or something and I would have to study for a test I didn't want to take in a class I didn't want to be in, right. it seemed like 5.30 would take forever to get here. And I'd be frustrated and irritated. And But now when I wake up in the morning, it's like, oh, what do I want to do today? What do I need to work on today? That's cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. So you got to spend a lot of time educating yourself on what you want to do. It's pointless to learn information that you don't need or know that you're not going to use. Absolutely. And the information is out there. You just have to look for it. And if you know, if you can't find it online, you can always hit up someone who is doing that work and like just talk to them about like, how do they get started? Or like, what does it take? Or like, what's the first step I should take? There's so many different ways. But you're right. You, You have to be proactive. You have to like, make some moves in order to make it happen. 
Yeah, yeah, you will have to reduce the amount of time you spend with friends and family. They're not going to understand at first. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Your real people, they'll come back to you when yeah. you say, hey, I've got time now. Because for the first two and a half, two years of this, I uh, I did not have a social life beyond the actual obligations for the art. If it wasn't an art event, I wouldn't come in over to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. I got stuff I need to do. Yes, because, um, that discipline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got stuff I need to do. I'll try to make time for you, you know, maybe once a month or here or there and stuff like that. But like your real friends will understand what you're trying to do. Yeah. Because the time that you spent creating the life you don't want, you have to spend so much more now getting rid of all of that and now building something new. And that doesn't happen in just a few months. And it doesn't matter if you stay up 18 hours a day, 18, no sleep. It's not going to happen (laughs) that fast. Yeah, it takes time. Yes, so important. Thank you for sharing that because I think, you know, it does take time. You just have to put the work in. So I have one last question for you. And it's just about, it's wrapped around your, the lessons you learn. So what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned so far as an artist, as a creative entrepreneur? The biggest lesson I learned so far is one that I'm still, I've come to realize, but I still have to get better at, is to not care at all when someone gives me like negative feedback. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like some of it's helpful, take it. Yeah, take like please take it. You know, if someone's like, "Hey, you're doing this wrong. It should be done like this." But it's it's also with context how they approach you with that. If they're like, "Oh, Mm -hmm. that's a stupid idea. It'll never work," and then it's funny because like I've had people be like, "Why are you doing all of this?" And then a couple months go by, and then now they're doing it too. They didn't say nothing. I just noticed, and I was like, "All right, cool." But like my idea was dumb until it worked. (laughs) right right and you learn you learn by your mistakes so you're not losing anyways yeah I'm not I'm not losing anyway and then you know after a while I might try something like it and then I can just leave it if I want to and still not get in trouble or I can come back to it whenever I want to this whole thing is customizable to me because I own it and I built it but the biggest the biggest lesson that I learned was to not take things so personal when someone doesn't like your art or they don't like you Mm. or they think what you're doing is silly or they reject you or they reject your art or they want to be around you and then they think they can gain something just from that partnership or that friendship or being an ally and then they disappeared like there's just so much you just have to understand that your journey is going to be very lonely and you need to take care of yourself and you need to not spend too much time worrying about how people feel about you and pay more attention to how you feel about yourself while you're doing the things you love and if it's working for you or not. Yeah, great advice, because that's a big one for artists, because it's so personal. You take everything so personal, but, you know, it is personal, but you have to be able to take it in and keep moving. Absolutely, because if I would have stopped or stopped doing a certain style of art just because a handful of people were like, I don't like it, I don't get it, you should do it this way, this Mm -hmm. is the standard. And I'd be like, all right, cool, if I would have stopped, I wouldn't be where I am now. A lot of the people who have tried to, you know, maybe give me their helpful advice and or their unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. And but I'm full time now. <laughs> right. This I, is what I'm I in, do. 
this is what I <laughs> what I do, you're still trying to make it to the full-time status. But again, it happens differently for people. Sometimes you have a piece of content or a niche that's really, really popular that'll catch on really fast. Sometimes you're really very narrow and defined like mine where it's a slow build, but quality over quantity. I really do have the same collectors, the same fans, the same people over and over again, just referring me to projects, getting their friends to buy my art, sending them to my website. And to me, that's so much more valuable than having, you know, 11 million followers on Instagram and no one buying my merchandise versus just the 2000 I have. And I'm getting pinged every other day with people getting a t-shirt or a hoodie or something like yes. that. That's just so, that's just so cool to me. Your tribe is going to come to you and grow. It takes time and it's a different scale for everybody. You can't scale it. You don't know whether something's going to work until you try it. And then sometimes you got to keep keep going with it and fail for like a year on it. Yeah. Your podcast might not take off for three years, but now you've got 300 episodes and the people who are finding can, can binge listen and they're going to show up and they're going to love you. You know, yeah. it takes time or versus some people, you know, you can, they can pull out five episodes and then have, you know, thousands of followers. It really depends. Yeah. Nothing here is really scalable, but you can control how you feel about yourself and how much you still love what you do to want to keep doing it. Yes, yes. Everyone has their own journey. Such an important message. So I just want to give you an opportunity to just share out any cool projects you're working on. You can talk about your website again or anything. Okay. You have a lot of um, merch on your website. <laughs> so go ahead and, you know, share out okay. all your brilliance. <laughs> okay. Cool, 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 cool. Well, because COVID is going on right now, it has become a huge upset in the art world to be able to sell artwork. So if you were an yeah. artist who didn't have a strong collector base, yikes. Um, but this is not a terrible time to still not, you know, be able to do that. But because of COVID, I had to switch from trying to sell the big, thousand dollar two hundred dollar you know fifteen hundred dollar pieces of art to the merchandise into the podcast so I kind of switched gears and pivoted a little bit and so what I have going on right now is because it is pride month um, I do have my powered by pride collection on my website t-shirts hoodies mugs and of course with like little graphic designs that I do to put on it. 10% of everything that you purchase, you know, during the month of Pride, do the Powered by Pride collection, goes to a local Houston nonprofit, um, just to kind of like give back to the community because I do have a lot of LGBT uh, collectors and artists as well in the community that help me, teach me, give me knowledge, tell mm -hmm. me about opportunities and shows. So this is my way of giving back to, you know, their organization as well. I also have my Stop Doing Things You Don't Like collection that I'm still expanding on, always doing new designs just to get that message or that mantra to inspire people to, to stop doing things you don't like if it's like in any way <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something that I'm working on right now. And of course, I'm still growing my podcast as well. Still kind of trying to find my niche in there. But I do like that I do get messages sometimes when people are like, oh my God, I went through the same thing. I didn't know that I was the only person who, I always felt like I was the only person who felt like this, but I'm not. And I think where I'm at, you know, where, with all my perspective and my careers that I've held myself I have this very universal perspective like I can get the perspective from the cop I can get the perspective from the woman I can get the perspective from the man I can get the perspective from being angry I can get mm -hmm. the perspective from being neutral and then yeah. I just come to a very <laughs> I come to a very transparent place where I can say hey I hear everyone I understand everyone's feelings but this is where I landed and because of this because I felt like this was the best way for me to 
cleanse myself of negativity and continue to be the better version of myself that I want to be. So if you guys want to check out my podcast, it's called Perspective of an Artist, and it's on all the platforms, uh, Spotify, Google, iTunes. I'm really just trying to get it out there and grow a fan base as well. So as far as my art, my regular canvas art goes, if you see something on my website, all prices are (laughs) currently negotiable. Yeah. Because of COVID. Um, so if you can, you know, take a look at my art or even if you can't purchase it, just take a look at it and tell me what you guys think. Maybe send me a message or a DM. I respond to every message that I get. Um, I do have people reach out to me sometimes saying how they love my art, they're inspired by it, or they like something. And I always make sure that I respond to every single message because like I said, quality over quantity. I am here for you guys. I am here to spread the message and stop doing things you don't like. And I am here because I love me and I want to love you. Yes, thank you. And please, y'all, go and check Monique's stuff out on her website. Go listen to her podcast, Perspective of an Artist. She is a dope lady, and I'm so happy I met her. And I think y'all will fall in love with her, too. So go check it out. And I honestly, I see so many threads in your journey and how everything kind of led to it to the other to the next point especially with your your art your fire resin art and your experience as a firefighter i see so many connections and i think that's so 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 lovely i'm excited to see your next your next um your next stages and your next journey and i hope i'm along the ride with you Thank you. You will be. You will be. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're awesome too, guys. Victoria is really awesome. I don't know how she found me like over a year ago, (laughs) but she found me. She messaged me. She was like, I love your art. This is what I'm about and what I do. And I was like, all right, cool. And like, you know, a year goes by. We kept the contact, but she's here now. She invited me back on her podcast. This is what, this is why we do this, to continue to grow our networks, to continue to have something within our own communities for people who look like us to share additionally with people who also don't look like us as well, but to have some sorts of uh, unity and togetherness that we can grow and build together while doing the things we enjoy and having more resources to do so. So you guys, if you're listening to Victoria, you're already doing the right thing. You're already going in the right direction. Thank you. I love this. This makes me so happy. (laughs) You you have no idea. All right. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. All right, girl. Take care. See you next week, same day, same time. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.